chapter number 7. Joshua chapter number 7 tonight for the preaching and teaching of God's Word. <clears throat> Appreciate you being in your place this evening. And uh, we'll try to give you what the Lord's put upon our heart uh, for tonight. Joshua chapter number 7. We started on last Wednesday night just doing, I don't know, we may just, this may be the last one, we might do two or three more, but we're looking at a little thought on lessons from losing. And we're looking at some of Israel's battles that they lost uh, and how we can learn a lesson from the battles they lost. We are reminded that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Paul reminds us in Romans 8, we have the victory in 1 Corinthians 15. If God be for us, who can be against us in Romans 8, 31? But I'll tell you what we still battle with. We still battle with this old man. We still battle with the flesh. And in majority, if not all these battles that we will look at, the ones that, there's like 20 of them, we won't look at all of them, but I'm just trying to be sensitive to the ones the Lord would have us deal with. Last week we looked at Numbers chapter 14, how they were supposed to go into Canaan land. They didn't believe God. God judged them. Then they decided they wanted to go. And God said, well, if you go, you're going to go without me. And they, uh, the, 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 we talked about uh, the warning that they ignored and the war that they invoked and how they wanted to go in their own will. They just wouldn't obey God. And tonight, we're going to look at a more famous battle that Israel lost that you might familiar with here in Joshua chapter 7. Begin reading in verse 1. We'll read a few verses. Then I'll give you the context of where we're at. The Bible says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth Haven on the east side of Bethel. To stop right there. That is the same place where Abraham pitched his tent in between Bethel and in Genesis. It's known as Ai. Same place. Bethel means house of God. Ai or Ai means a heap of ruins. Same location. And spaking to him and saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So there went up a thither of the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men, for they chased them from before the gate, even in a sherem, and smote them, uh, even, uh, uh, smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted, and became as water. With these thoughts in mind, I want to look tonight at another lesson from losing. It has been said that if you do not learn from history, you're doomed to repeat history. All about you, I, I want to have victory. I don't, and I'm not talking about what the TV preachers talk about victory, amen. I'm talking about I want to walk in a victorious Christian life living in the land of Canaan. But I believe if we're not careful, there'll be some things that will sneak their way into our lives that will hinder us from having victory. We'll jump right into the outline. First of all, if you're taking notes, I want us to note the detailed context. 
Where is Israel at in their history here in Joshua chapter 7? Well, I've kind of lined it three ways. First of all, they are being commanded by Joshua. You're reminded in Joshua chapter number 1 and verse number 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. According to that verse, we understand, we looked at it last week, that all the children of Israel, aged 20 years old and upward, uh, because they didn't believe God, they would die in the wilderness. According to that verse, that leads me to believe that Moses was the last one to die before they went into the land of Canaan. I don't know about you, but if I'm Joshua and I realize that everybody's died except for Moses, I'm putting a head out on Moses. I've walked around this wilderness for way too long. Somebody needs to kill Moses. Amen. And by the way, there are some things going to have to die in your life if you're going to get into the land of Canaan. Moses represented rebellion and disobedience because he disobeyed God. And so you've got to get those things out of your life if you're going to enter into Canaan land. And Israel's doing good right now. They're commanded by Joshua. They, secondly, they've crossed the Jordan. I mean, God is just blessing them. They get to the Jordan River and they realize they have to cross that river if they're going to make it into the land of Canaan and enjoy the blessings that God has promised them in that land. And the Bible said that Jordan had overflowed its, ba- its banks. And so the river was wider. The river was larger than it had ever been and a normal time. But aren't you glad no matter how wide the river is, it don't matter how bad it is, God is able. And God said, here's what you're going to have to do. It's amazing. In Exodus 14, He said to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. What did Moses do? He raised that rod and God parted the waters. But here, and that picture is a good picture of salvation, getting out of Egypt. But here in the victorious Christian life, He didn't have Joshua raise a rod. In fact, here's what He did. He had the priests go before and they was carrying that Ark of the Covenant. And he said, when you see the Ark of the Lord go forward, you go after it. And so what those priests did, they took a step. And when they took a step by faith, God parted the waters. And every time they took a step, God uh, moved and cleared a path. And I'm going to tell you, if you're going to live in victory in the land of Canaan, you've got to walk by faith. Taking a step every day. Just trying. You know, here's what James said. Draw nigh to God. And in turn, He will draw nigh to you. I'm telling you, Israel's doing good. They've got commanded by Joshua. They've crossed the Jordan. In Joshua chapter 6, they've just conquered Jericho. They get over there and there's Jericho had the massive walls and, and, and really if you study it out, it wasn't just one wall that Jericho had, but they had three tiers of walls and they got bigger and bigger as it went. It was a side of defense and it looks like impossible. And here's what God tells Joshua to do. Y'all walk around in circles. If there was one thing that crowd was good at was walking around in circles because that's what they had been doing for 40 years. You think that that wilderness was wasting time? No, no, waiting time ain't wasted time. God is teaching them in the wilderness how to walk because He knew when they got into Canaan, there were some things they had to walk around. Amen. I'm telling you that that. And by the way, God ain't told nobody else to walk around no building. Years ago, here I got to be careful because I'm I'm on a live internet highway. But years ago, there was this meeting going on, and uh, and I I wasn't there. I heard about it, and the preacher said God wants us to march around the old church six times. I'm like, man, I wouldn't go the seventh. Your building might fall down. All right, 
It's a joke. You can smile, all right? But Israel's doing good. They've got a lot of victory here. They've conquered Jericho. They're they are doing a lot of good things here. That's the detailed context. But notice the divine commandment. Joshua chapter 6, while they are conquering Jericho, God gives a command. Verse 17, And the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall, uh, shall live, and she and all that were within her house, because she hid the messengers that were sent. And in any wise you keep yourselves the accursed, keep in any wise, watch this now, keep yourselves from the accursed thing. Lest you make yourself the curse when you take the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So God gives a command. It was a threefold command. Number one, it was to deal with their restraint. Watch what he says in verse 18. And ye, in any wise, keep yourselves from the accursed thing. The word keep there means to guard. It means to observe. It means to put a watch. What's the deal? He knew that they would be tempted seeing all that treasure laying around in Jericho when the walls fell down to go by and spoil it and pick it up and take it for their own. He's wanting them to exercise one of the slices of the fruit of the Spirit, and that's temperance, self-control. Don't take that. Keep yourselves from it. I'm going to tell you, we are not going to have any victory in our life if we don't tell our flesh no. Unless you tell the flesh no and say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not watching that. I'm not saying that. I'm not thinking that. I'm not going to participate in that. You'll never have any victory. There's restraint. But notice the reason, verse 18. Lest ye make yourselves accursed when you take the accursed thing. God's not holding back on them. He's trying to protect them. You see, God's laws and commandments are meant for man's protection. The first law, the first commandment he gave was not holding out on Adam and Eve. It was protecting them. Here's how we know that. They took of the fruit and voila, here we are today in this sin-cursed flesh. God wasn't holding out on them. In fact, when God sent them out of the garden and put that angel to guard the garden, he was doing that out of love, keeping them from eating of the tree of life. For had they ate of the tree of life, they, we talked about in Sunday School Sunday, they would live in that fallen condition for all eternity. God's laws and commandments, everybody said, I just hate all them laws, all those commandments. They're for your protection. As much as I hate the interstate's uh, speed limit, it's for our protection. That's why I only go 10 miles over what they say and not 20. Amen. Brother Matthew, plug your ears. All right. Amen. I'm just saying tonight they're for the protection. There's a reason they have guardrails on the side. It's for your protection. It's to keep you safe. I'll tell you, it'd be wise not to budge the boundaries God's put in your life. Somebody said before you, Daxton is, is a, he, I, I tell Daxton all the time, he's going to make a terrible church member one day. Here's why I say that. He has the knack for complaining about everything. He's probably going to be a deacon. Amen. Present company excluded. All right. Amen. I said y'all are excluded. Y'all are, y'all ain't, y'all don't complain. Amen. Just sleep through the service. But anyway. <laughs> but actually, he complains about everything. We was, talk, we was riding down the road and said something about our old house. Anytime we say something about our old house, Dak said, I like our old house better because it had a bigger backyard. He'll say that every time. 
even though the yard we have now is twice as big as what we had before. But you know what he don't like about our yard? He don't like that fence we have. He said, I don't like that fence. And mama told, his mama told him last night, the reason we have that fence is so you can be safe when you're outside playing. I wouldn't be budging God's fences. Before you tear one down, you better see why somebody put one up. I'm telling you, God put laws and God put commandments not to keep us back from something, but to keep some things from getting us. Notice the result, the restraint, the reason, but the result. Verse 18, he said, and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. He said, um, if you take of that a curse thing, it's not just going to affect you. It's going to affect the camp. So there's the detailed context. There's the divine commandment. But thirdly, in your outline, and we get to our text now, there's the damaging conduct. The verses we've read tonight, verses 1 through 5, they've just, man, they're shouting the victory. They have just whooped Jericho. And I like Joshua for many reasons, partly because I'm named after him. But uh, he makes some mistakes in this chapter. First of all, in verse number 2, they were prayerless. Look at verse 2. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which was beside Beth Haven, on the east side of Bethlehem, spake to them, saying, Go up and view the country. And they went up and viewed Ai. You see where, where Joshua prayed? Like he, like he did when he was seeking the Lord in, in Joshua chapter 5, when he went out? No, he ain't doing it. He's prayerless. And any time that we ain't praying, he, he didn't seek the Lord's counsel? I mean, because Ai is such a small city. It ain't a Jericho. So we really don't need the Lord's help here. So somebody said, well, you don't know if Joshua's thinking that. Well, I just know this Joshua's thought it before. Confession's good for the soul. And I'm, I'm, I'd say that all of us has got to a point where we've got on our, God, this is so big, I need your help. And God helps us. But then we get a smaller situation. We feel like we can manipulate the situation. And we feel like we can handle the situation. And we don't practice Philippians 4 where he says, Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, let your, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. They were prayerless. Secondly, they were prideful. Look at verse 3. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up. <laughs> but let about eh, two or 3,000 go up. And smite Ai. And make not all the people to labor thither. For, but they, for they are but a few. They underestimated Ai. They didn't seek the Lord. They failed to remember what God had just done for them in the previous chapter. They said, ah, it ain't no big deal. We can handle this. For we judge them. How many times have we been guilty of doing the same thing? We'll pray about a big situation, a doctor's report, uh, a, a child, a, a need, and that's all right. But then we get in those little things that we feel like we can manipulate. If I do this, this, and this, instead of praying, we go to Facebook. Amen. Don't you hate those Facebook requests? I'm not talking about friend requests. I'm talking about the prayer requests. Y'all pray for us. We don't get $250. And I ain't talking about st pray for Steve that he don't burn down Duke Energy. Amen. So this ain't a shop tour. I ain't talking about Steve here. They're trying to charge Steve $1,700 that ain't paid his power bill in 10 months. He has, all right? Else they'd be sitting in the dark. But you, the people on Facebook, pray for them. If we don't get our power bill paid in the next 24 hours, they're going to shut it off. Well, they ain't wanting God to do nothing. They want somebody to feel sorry for them on their Facebook and send them $250 and pay their power bill. 
I think I will. I've never understood why people think that the church is a benevolent center for the community. Ain't it amazing? People don't come to church. They don't think nothing about God until they fix to shut their power off. Amen. And they spend all their money on cigarettes and liquor and lottery tickets and cable and the internet. And then they want the church to come in and buy food. Now, I ain't against putting food on, on somebody, on, especially if there's a kid involved. Somebody say amen. But I'm telling you, they're, they're, we got, they're, we're not a benevolent center. We, we try to take care of God's people. We try to be a witness and a light. We, we'll, if we, we feel led, we help somebody. But this ain't, a, this ain't a handout center. I don't know where. And first John, they want to go to First John 3 if you see your brother have a need. Yeah, brother in the family. That's what we just did a minute ago. For Brother McBride, our brother has a need. And so it was in our power to help him. And that's what we're doing. But not some drunk coming in off the street. They don't think about God until they're about to cut his power off. Somebody help me now. We don't do that, amen. I was, at a, I was somewhere yesterday, like y'all were. I was, at a, I was going to preach, and I stopped at a gas station. And there was a guy in front of me. He had bought, he had bought some stuff, and he was trying to swap his car, and his card wasn't working. And so he said, i got to call my bank. And so he went out to his car. Well, I, I walked up and I asked the lady, I said, he ain't got no cigarettes or liquor in there, does he? Or lottery tickets. She looked at me and she said, well, no. I said, well, I'll pay for it. And went out and handed the guy the food. Handed his, he bought some Gatorades and a Snickers bar. And I gave him a track witness to him. But I wasn't about to buy that man's lottery tickets, cigarettes, or liquor. Amen. I, especially give him a track. Here, Jesus loves you. Now go get drunk. Amen. But we're not going, how did I get on all that? They were prideful. They didn't seek the Lord's guidance and help. I don't know how I got on that. Preachers, that's what you don't do, all right? That's what you don't do. Don't run a rabbit like that. Notice, uh, they were prideful. They failed to remember. They, they did not seek the Lord's counsel. They were prayerless. They were prideful. But then notice, they were punished. Verse 4 and 5. So they went up to the people, about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote them, about 30 and 6 men, for they chased them from before the gate of Sherba, and they smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. As a result of their lack of prayer and pride, when they stepped into Ai, they were defeated in a tragic way. 36 husbands didn't come home. 36 daddies didn't make it home. Why? Well, here's number four, the deep concern. Verse 6 through 10, we note in this deep concern that Joshua has, we note, first of all, the sorrow was evident. The hearts of the people melted and became as waters. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord, even till eventide. He and the elders of Israel put dust upon their heads. Joshua was bothered by this. He's doing in verse number 6 what he should have done in verse number 2. Seeking God. The sorrow was evident, but the supplication was earnest. Verse 7, 8, and 9, And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord, wherefore hast thou uh, hast all thou brought us over the people of this Jordan and to deliver us to the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Listen to Joshua now. Would to God we had been content to dwell on the other side of the Jordan. He sounded like that backslidden crowd. Oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear it. And shall environ us around us and cut off the name from the earth. What wilt thou do to thy great name? Joshua's, Joshua's sounding a little foolish here. He sounds like that carnal crowd. 
Would to God we die in Egypt. But he's being honest. You got to appreciate his honesty. His sorrow was evident. His supplication was earnest. But then notice the sin was exposed. Verse 10 and 11. Probably the only time God told somebody to quit praying. And the Lord said to Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou upon thy face? Israel hath sinned. Joshua, it ain't time to pray. Get up. There's sin in the camp. And that leads us to our last thought and the main call, the direct cause of this, this battle that Israel lost. Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken the accursed thing and have also stolen and disassembled also. And they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies. But they turned back before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore except you destroy the cursed thing from among you. And it interesting in this text that we, we, we noticed that the Lord said, Israel sinned. He said, you couldn't even stand before your enemies because you sinned. What was the lesson? Why did they lose? The cause of what Achan did. Verses 16 through 20, we'll read, for the sake of time, we'll read all the verses, but they go through the tribes, go through the people, and they get to Achan. What did Achan do? Well, first of all, he disregarded. Verse 20, And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. He knew the commandment that was given in Joshua 6. Because here's how we know that, because he admits to sinning in verse number 20 of Joshua 7. He knew what God said, but he don't care. I'm going to tell you when you're going to lose when you don't care what this Bible says. He disregarded. Then he, not only did he disregard, he disobeyed. Not only did he not care about what God said, he went and completely did the opposite of what God has said. He deliberately disobeyed the Lord. He defrauded. I know I'm going quick. If you don't get all these, I'll give them to you. He defrauded. Look at verse 21. When I saw among the spoils... A goodly Babylonian garment. Ain't that interesting? That word goodly means appropriate. Appropriate for what? For Babylon. But not for Israel. You know what he's doing? He said, I just got some of the world's clothes. 200 shekels of silver and a wedge and of gold, 50 shekels weight. Then I coveted them and took them. Now according to Joshua 6, the silver and the precious things were to go in the treasure of the Lord. So you know what Achan did? He robbed God. Somebody said, why do you lock your car when you go to church? I don't have to do it here. I do do it here. But some churches I go to, I lock my car. Somebody said, why? Because if I rob God, they'll probably rob you too. Amen. Will a man rob God? You better believe it. <laughs> he said, where have you robbed me? In tithes and in offerings. I, I thank God for the church that we have and the people that faithfully give. I don't have to preach on giving much around here. My goodness, you just took up $1,500 for an evangelist just on the spot right after Christmas when Santa Claus got all your money. Thank you. I tell you, there's some churches, there's some people I know, I'm affiliated with some churches, they wouldn't give if their life depended on it. I, I, years ago, we had some people that wasn't, wasn't tithing. They wanted to be church. I believe if you're a member of a church, you ought to tithe. I believe if you're lost, you ought to tithe. 
Because the Bible said the tithe is the Lord's. It didn't say the saved man's tithe, the lost man's tithe, the Lord. It said the tithe is the Lord's. I believe God bless the lost man if he'll tithe. That ain't popular. I believe that's right. And, and, they wasn't, and we had some church members that wasn't tithing. And somebody said, well, that ain't none of your... I don't know where we got that thing where money ha- given has to be private. Well, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. That's talking about helping the poor. That ain't talking about tithing and giving to missions and giving a love offering. You know why a lot of people don't want to talk about giving? Because they ain't giving. I ain't got no problem anybody look at my checkbook or look at my giving record. Don't bother me one bit. I don't say that pridefully. I'm just not a God robber. Amen. Y'all, why y'all quiet? Y'all give. At least I think you do. When we was having trouble and Wade said, I'll tell you what we ought to do. He said, we ought to make all the non-tithers sit outside because they don't pay for the heat and air. They don't pay for these pews. They don't pay for the lights. They don't pay for the microphone. And so we ought to make all the God robbers sit outside. We did, and they just went to other churches. But anyway, uh, <laughs> we didn't do that. If you're visiting, we didn't put them outside. Amen. We thought about it, but we didn't. But I tell you, wouldn't it be off to be a God robber? Robbed from God. That's what, that's what Achan did. Then watch what else he did. He defiled. He, he disregarded, he disobeyed, he defrauded, he defiled. Watch what he said in verse 21. They are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. You know what he did? You know what his sin was? You know why Israel lost the battle? You ready? He brought the world into his home. And he, you, watch what he did, Brother Eric. He just didn't bring it into his home. He put it in the midst of his home. Yeah, he buried it. But every time he walked by, he knew what was there. Everything Achan had, not only did he defile his home, he defiled his family. You know, if you read the rest of this chapter, I'm almost done, for, and we won't forsake the time. If you read the rest of this chapter, Achan's entire family was stoned. Somebody said, ain't that awful that Achan's children died because of what their daddy did? Not according to Deuteronomy 24. Deuteronomy 24 said, The father shall not be put to death for the children. Neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. His family was in on it. Or else God would not have commanded for all of them to be stoned because God does not contradict his word. So here's what he did. It's all right. God's okay with it. Well, of course, if, the, if daddy's okay with it, mom and the kids are going to be okay. I mean, look at all that money. Look at them nice clothing. Look at those precious treasures. Dads, that's why it's so important that we guard what we allow to come in our home. Watch this. Ain't it interesting? Verse 11, what God said, Israel has sinned. Now, really, had Israel sinned? Achan had sinned. But you know what God said in Joshua 6? He said, if you take the accursed, the whole camp's going to be cursed. Your sin does affect other people. I would hate to know that I had something in my heart that was hindering the work of God in the church. Something I was hiding. Something I'd allowed in my home that would hinder the work of God. That's why I can't regulate righteousness to you. If you're saved by the grace of God, Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. He lives on the inside of me. And, he, and He's conforming you as we preach Sunday, the image of His dear Son, Jesus Christ. I hope He's working on you. If Jesus is not working on you, then He might not be in you. Amen. But I will say this. It would be awful to hinder the work of God because of some sin, some bitterness, some envy, strife, something I was harboring, hiding in my heart. Nobody else could see it, but Achan knew it was there. 
And the last thing, what happened, the last thing in your notes, Achan, he died. I think Proverbs 28, 13 could summarize his life. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. There's hope in that verse, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh shall have mercy. Achan would not. He confessed his sin, but he didn't forsake it. May God help us to learn tonight a lesson from losing how things that we can let, we allow the world and allow things in our home that God in His Word has spoken against, it can have a negative effect on our family and on our children. Hey, I'm talking about, look, I ain't saying you need to go out and bust your TV with an axe. Don't do that. Hey, man, how are you going to watch football and baseball? Andy Griffith, how are you going to watch? But I'll say this, ain't it amazing that TV, unless you've, Unless you're like Wade and you want one that's 20 inches, all these new TVs have a remote. And if something's on, ain't only to be on there. It used to be change the channel. Now you change your streaming service. But ain't it amazing? Things that in this world that we used to never even talk about, now we put on our TV screens in our homes in front of our children. It's in the cartoons now, sodomy agenda, critical race theory. It's all that. I'm going to tell you, there's one race. That's the human race. And Jesus loves every sinner. But the world's trying to indoctrinate your, our families and indoctrinate our children. Well, what's the result? Get rid of all the TVs, the phones, and the iPads. Adam and Eve didn't have no phones, TVs, or iPads. And one of their kids killed the other one. So sin's going to get in. But you better shut off every avenue and not allow it to take hold in your family and in your home. Why? Because it affects more than just you. It affects more than just your family. It could have an effect on the church. For the sake of you, for the sake of your children, for the sake of the church, may God help each and every one of us to not take the accursed thing and bring Jericho in our homes. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. I preached 29 minutes. Brother Matthew's going to play a verse of invitation. Maybe you need to come pray tonight. God spoke in your heart about something. Just some lessons from losing tonight. Hey, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to live a defeated life. I want to live in victory, and I don't, I don't want to be.